Hey everybody, how is it going? I hope you're doing great. So glad to have you here. Of course, I am Dylan Bowman and you are listening to the Pillars Podcast. And this week, I am so excited to share an amazing conversation I recently had with my good friend, the ultra running icon from Boulder, Colorado, Mr. Timothy Olson. Timothy should, of course, need no introduction to this crowd. He is a two-time champion of the Western States 100. He is the former course record holder at that race. And those are just a couple of highlights from just an incredible and illustrious career in the sport. He is, without a doubt, a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, but he is so much more than an athlete. Tim is a really deep dude. For those who have followed his story over the course of the last decade, he, of course, speaks openly about his battles in the past with substance abuse, and now he brings this amazing message of mindfulness and this wonderful meditative vibration of peace and positivity to our awesome sport. And Tim and I have been buddies for over a decade now. It's crazy to think. Uh, We have been teammates on two separate occasions in the time that we've been in the sport. And I have just always felt a connection to him in addition to just a deep respect and admiration for him as an athlete and as a human being. And Tim is just getting ready now to embark on a 2,600 mile journey on the Pacific Crest Trail with the goal of breaking the existing fastest known time of about 52 days. And of course, we spent a lot of time here in our conversation talking about that upcoming effort. But as is my habit, for better or worse, I also use this as an opportunity to go deep with Tim. We talked about his career, the amazing highs and lows that he's endured as an athlete. And he also talked really openly about some recent trauma that he and his family experienced uh, enduring a couple of really painful miscarriages over the last couple of years. We talked about, you know, sort of how they navigated that and, and now how they're looking forward to welcoming their third child a baby girl in August, hopefully just after he finishes his adventure on the Pacific Crest Trail at the Canadian border. I have so much love for this guy. I hope that shines through and you all enjoy our conversation. But quickly, before we get to it, I'd just like to remind you all that if you do like this podcast, we really could use your support. I put a ton of effort and care into this show, as does my hardworking legend of a producer, Mr. Ryan Thrower. And we just get so much joy from doing it and have been doing it now for free and ad-free for over a year and a half. And we would love to be able to focus on it more. So please, if you like what we do, go download and subscribe to the Pillars app and join our amazing and inspiring community of trail and ultra runners there. And as always, if you wanna be part of it, but you can't afford it, just send me an email, dylan at pillars.com and I will be happy to hook you up with a free subscription. But for those who can spare it, And for those who want to be part of what we're trying to build, we'd love your support. And uh, we'd also love to connect with you on a personal level. So 
Think about it. Subscription is only $120 a year and I am confident that you get a great value from it even if you already have a coach. That's my little advertisement. Okay, on with the show. Please welcome the legend, Mr. Timothy Olson. minutes so it's perfect okay great so we'll, we'll try and keep it under an hour and a half but you're a busy man throwing everything together last minute but uh, yeah awesome of course cool. right of course last minute but, amazing uh, yeah well timothy olson welcome to the podcast my friend it's so freaking awesome to see you especially after the 10 minutes of audio visual difficulties <laughs> that we just endured trying to connect how are you buddy yeah, doing great, man. Um, yeah, awesome to see you again. It's been way too long. Um, just to see your smiling face is great and just uh, grateful to be on the podcast with you. Likewise, bro. Well, thanks so much for being here. How are things in uh, the People's Republic of Boulder, which you know people might not know is, is my hometown too, and now is your actual hometown, home base. How, how are things there? How's the family? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 missing Debo for sure, <laughs> but um, no, we're doing wonderful. It's it's good to be back here. I've spent um, a good amount of time uh, this year, last year in Costa Rica. So we've you know only been here a few months, and in that time, we've been you know kind of preparing for the PCT. So we went and did like um, you know a week kind of um, recon slash just kind of getting ready with the um, logistics of the RV and everything that can go wrong trying to do that yep. <laughs> before we start it. So, um, yeah, we've been doing that. And so doing a little camping just even last week, actually, we went and did a little camping up in the RV just close to here, but just getting used to the RV. We like being in the outdoors. The boys are great out there. So, um, yeah, that's, we feel comfortable there, but good to be back home and getting just like, see all the wildlife. The flowers are finally coming up after like the 10th snowstorm here. In, <laughs> It's, it's been a lot of snow, uh, April, May. So, um, we're finally seeing some flowers and, uh, Boulder come into life. So it's, it's good. Good to see. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, I want to talk more about the dress rehearsal and things that you're, you're referencing. And obviously it looks like, uh, you're putting the finishing touches on your preparation and, and getting, uh, some extra camping in before you are spending your, your life out in the wilderness. And of course, we're going to spend most of our conversation talking about your upcoming FKT attempt on the Pacific Crest Trail and absolutely huge undertaking. I'm just wondering, just how are you feeling ahead of what is definitely going to be sort of the biggest undertaking of your athletic career? Are you feeling confident? Are you feeling excited? Is there some trepidation and nervousness? How's it feeling uh, with this huge adventure out in front of you? Yeah, man, you, you said it all. I'm, I'm feeling it all. It's, um, it's incredible. The waves that come through of confidence, like I have moments of confidence and that it's beautiful to feel those. And then moments of like, what the hell am I getting into? Um, I mean, I've never done anything like this, nor is it like something you can exactly train for. Like, you know, I, I went and did a week of, of 45 to 50 miles a day. And so I can kind of give, you know, a little demonstration of what it's going to be like, but trying to go out there to cover this, the whole distance doing the physical mental part of that. But then just so much goes into it. I'm, I'm bringing my family along for the adventure. My wife is pregnant. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a pandemic that's been going on for a while and, and 
the world's just been crazy. Um, and I see this as just, uh, you know, what I, what I always do go off into nature and to be rejuvenated, refreshed. And anytime I can do that with my family, uh, along for parts of it as much as possible. Um, it's going to be a wild ride. And I think what I'm doing is just trying to embrace all those feelings of, of, mm. you know, the, everything that comes up because there's definitely moments where I like loosen sleep and then moments where it's just like, I feel relaxed and like, you know, we've done, I've been doing the work I've been putting in the work for this for many years. Um, I have an incredible team with me mm-hmm. of, you know, helping with logistics, helping, um, you know, with food. I have, um, Kelly of real athlete diets that yeah. does all of our, our run mindful retreats. She's coming along with us. And I mean, she's like everyone that's coming along as family, Jason Coop, um, yeah. uh, me, me and your coach is coming along yeah. and he's going to be out there. And so, yeah, I mean, there's so much into it and I can get overwhelmed at moments and the moments where it's just like, let's go let's, have an adventure. Yeah. yeah let's, let's get started. Yeah. yeah. Let's get, yeah. And most definitely recently it's like, please let this just start. So I can yeah. stop talking about it. And like, it's so funny to talk about all the interviews and stuff of like talking about, it. I haven't done it. I, right. You know, I, I haven't done anything. I'm hoping to go out there and, and give my best, give, give, give my whole heart out there. And yeah that could, that could look of finishing it and accomplishing it in this, you know, dream of an FKT and, yeah. and everything that goes with that. Or I could be bit by a snake or a rolled ankle, you know, day, whatever. And yeah. yeah so yeah. Yeah. Well, well, dude, I, I'm so excited for you. And, and obviously I want to talk, go into more detail about a lot of the things that you just mentioned there, but it's, amazing, obviously a physical and emotional undertaking, but then also managing all those logistical things. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who are curious to hear all about that stuff now. And as you said, you know, you're talking about this quite a lot before you even get on the trail and you and I have known each other for a long time. And so I definitely do want to talk about other stuff in addition to the PCT. We've been buddies now for like a decade, which is absolutely wild to, to think about. And I wondered, I mean, it's, I guess this is peripherally kind of related to the PCT, but kind of as you look at your career now and in, in context, like how does this project sort of fit within the arc of your story as you see it, you know, like I, I just, you know, you're one of, one of my personal heroes in the sport. It's somebody who I always looked up to and admired throughout my career as well. And you've achieved just amazing things. You've gone through highs and lows and now you have this other amazing thing. I just wondered if you had any comments about how this project sort of fits within the greater context of Tim Olson's career. Yeah, it's a good question. I, um, you want to be known for, you know, giving your best out there. And, um, I've had, you know, highs and lows with racing and and whatnot. And, um, then going into something like this, where, you know, some people like, you know, ask me, so who are you racing out there or whatnot? And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, this definitely is like a cumulative of my career of ultra running. I remember when I first, I moved to Ashland, Oregon and, uh, ran into, you know, the legends there of, of Hal Kern or Ian Torrance, who, who introduced me to trail running. I, I didn't, wasn't aware of ultra distance and even really trail running before I moved to, to Oregon, Ashland, Oregon in 2009 and, and then met ultra runners and they kind of brought me in and, um, 
the trails in Ashland, Oregon all led to the Pacific Crest Trail. So I ran on the Pacific Crest Trail a lot, a lot of my first races and so many memories on the Pacific Crest Trail. So that is so deep in my heart. And I have so much love and appreciation for the the trail for, you know, just everything about it. And I've, I've put races, I've helped um, do trail work on it, organize races that have raised money for it. And so um, it means a lot to me. And it's where my kind of my running career started. And kind of I was coming back talking to, to Hal and Ian, like when I first started running, I was like, man, this Pacific Crest Trail looks dope. I need to go <laughs> run it. And they, you know, looked at me like I was crazy. And I w- was crazy thing. I was, I was just, you know, just uh, something that came just sputtered out of me. But yeah. like, it's been in my heart for forever. And they told me, you should probably wait a few years. Like, you know, go get some racing that it could really beat you up. And I thought about it for a little bit. I'm like, yeah, that seems kind of smart. Uh, but it's always been in my back of my mind, like, I really would like to do the Pacific Crest Trail. And yeah. if it, I don't want to say it's like, you know, capping off an end of a career or, mm. you know, like if I finish this like that is so meaningful. But I think just the opportunity to go out, out and do this and do it with my family and just just show it, show it to the world. We're going to go and, you know, going to video this and and yeah. put it out there and who knows what's going to happen. And, you know, hopefully I can do it gracefully, whether I, you know, I'm strong in crushing days or having some really low moments and, and my brain and body is messing with me. And uh-huh. I hope like to just keep coming back to my practice of meditation and something that I I've shared, shared through my career. And, um, I feel like this is a really good time in my life to kind of just show who I am, what, what I'm about and put it out there for the world. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I would like to finish it. Like even, I don't worry about the FKT thing as much. It's just like, I really like to finish this trail. Mm -hmm. I get this other really awesome thing that my wife reminds me of all the time is we have a baby due in August, (laughs) end of August. And so like, I wasn't, too worried about like, you know, if I have some problems and I have to extend this for another month or something, yeah. no problem. Yeah. Um, and now it's now come to the point where like, sense of there is an actual deadline. Like, TikTok, I, dad, yeah. let's go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Both yeah. of my other boys were early too, like a couple of weeks early. So it's just like, you know, there's, there's all these things and my wife is like, you know, what happens if, uh, you know, I'm going into labor on day, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, me and, me and, uh, Coop, my coach, have talked yeah. about this, and it, it comes back to my my family is the most important. My kids are the most important. That if yeah. there's anything going on, I stop the, the PCT in a second to go help them. But um, I'm really looking forward to this, and I would really like to to yeah put on a good show, yeah, and like and ha- and have fun, like really, you know, go out there and do what I love of of being in nature, connecting with nature, totally. and just show it showing the world all the beauty that's out there that they can go see themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just curious because like it, we're coming up on the nine year anniversary of when you won Western States for the first time. It's it nine years. Wow. Nine wow. years. It was 2012, wow. bro. Oh yeah, my God. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, obviously you've done amazing things within the sport, not just that, um, you are an absolute icon, somebody who I think people look to as like a representative of like what ultra running is and looking at you through zoom right now, like you just have the most powerful beard and, you know, your trademark look coming and, in. it's coming in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, like your run mindful retreats and just sort of like bring this amazing spirit to the sport and, you know, thinking about what you've done up to this point. And now with the PCT, obviously, as you said, this isn't like a capstone. It's not the end of a career, but it does seem like the natural progression for you after achieving great things, going through some hard times, coming back, being a family man throughout all of it. And now tackling the trail that sort of brought you into the sport to begin with. It's kind of a beautiful story as a, as a sports fan myself, as somebody who watches sports documentaries, I can't wait to see uh, the film that you guys put together, but looking yeah. back now, like at nine years ago, right. With Western States, it's funny because, you know, I was in the race that year we ran together a shitload. Yeah. You gave yeah. me a goo. <laughs> Dude, this is the story I wanted to tell. This is the story I wanted to tell. So, I mean, before we, before we get to that story, because it's one of my favorites of all time, I wondered if you maybe just wanted to provide a reflection as we sort of come up to Western States this year after the pandemic year when there's been no racing and people are so excited for it. Just maybe provide your perspective with nine years to look back on what must have been a life-changing day for you. Just mm -hmm. maybe the overarching feelings that you have looking back at that, what do you remember and, and how it changed your life? Yeah. Uh, just as you say that I like, I think about Western States and I get goosebumps and can feel the energy of such a, such a cool sport. Like I'm the, the word that comes is just grateful. I'm grateful for Western States um, for such a beautiful sport um, and community of people that, um, spe like, especially going to West, you know, going to Western States and everyone that's there is just, you know, loving and caring and, you know, caring, caring for nature and, and not even just people, but like, it, it's so, it's a sport I want to be associated with. And when I got done with high school, I, I kind of quit sports and like I did basketball and all those team things. And then, after some troubling, troubling years, um, I found running again and running was like, this is, is a lifesaver. Like you know, sport really has changed my life and for good. And, and, um, thinking of Western States of going there the first, you know, I, I went there and, and, um, it just helped crew the first time I was there. And the second year I ran it and, had a ton of stomach issues in the sixth place and then came back in 2012. And, um, you know, I had a couple good races, but I wasn't like, you know, one of the top favorites and just my training went so well. And I was, I felt just so prepared for that race and not even, I don't know that race. I was, it was the year that Tristan was born. He was born like two months after that. So we had, we had a new home in Oregon. Uh, I was working like three jobs. His life was pretty hectic but it was just that, that cumulative of so much work going into it, of having this dream of going to Western States and win, like visualizing that mm -hmm. daily, having friends like Hal, who's won it and like gave me encouragement of like, your training's amazing. You got this man. And, um, rolling in there with that confidence of like having the, the community of Ashland of, of ultra runners supporting me and then going there and the whole day, 
you know, it was cold. It was nasty. Um, people mentioned I was running around like, you know, like a wet dog running around with a big (laughs) smile. And I felt like that. I felt like, you know, just running around like a dog hanging its head out of a window, like just happy and free. And, you know, I had some low moments in that race, but I had such a great experience. It was like, it, it changed my life because I went from, you know, me and you were teammates at the time, yeah, pro, yeah. pro Zumi, you know, gotta, <laughs> yeah. gotta rock that. And, um, yeah. and then from there, like Western States winning it and then like capping off with a, a record. Like I didn't even know I was under the record until, um, you know, mile 89 or something. And everyone's screaming at me like, you know, yeah, uh, you know, AJW grabbed me. It's like, you're under the course record. Go, go, go. <laughs> I, dr- I just dropped my pacer. So I was kind of confused over there. Hal was over there. I'm like, do you want to join in for the last few miles? He's like, yeah, I ate some sardines. I'm ready to roll, man. <laughs> it's just like so many, like so many good stories came from that, that day and just, you know, good vibes from, from everyone. And to like win it was, was awesome. But you know, it was just an incredible day. And then it, yeah, it changed my life. I ended up like signing with the North face and, yeah. um, turning this into a career. Like I didn't know running would be a career. Yeah. You were a mas- yeah. massage therapist at the time. Yeah. And yeah, my first sponsor was me. Like I printed my massage, like, the, you know, like <laughs> Timothy Olsen Timothy massage. Olsen and, that, massage. <laughs> and that and your was like phone number on the front. Yeah. That'd be amazing. I didn't put the phone number, but that would be an idea. <laughs> I don't think the wife would have liked that. Uh, but, um, dude, well, but like, a, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say, what a beautiful way to describe that. I mean, it's funny because I had Kat Bradley on the podcast not long ago, and obviously she's been a Western States champion herself. And she described something similar before the race where just like she had this feeling, this confidence about her preparation. And she had just this deep excitement about what laid ahead. And even though she came in totally not as one of the favorites, as you mentioned, was the case with you as well, but just carried this like confidence and energy with her that she'd been feeling for months ahead of time. And I actually remember this too, Tim, because you mentioned we were both running for Pearl Izumi at the time. Mm-hmm. And they had gotten a, like an A-frame house in the Tahoe area right before the race. And I was staying elsewhere, but I came by to hang out with you guys. And I remember that you and I were talking and you had said that like you had gone out for like an eight mile run that day and like stopped halfway through and like you'd brought a book along and you just like sat and read a book for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who is this maniac, man? He's like <laughs> a few days before Western States, he's running like an hour and a half and like sitting halfway through and reading a book. And I don't know, it's just a, yeah. an amazing story, but, um, T- tell about the time when you bummed a gel off me in the 2012 Western state so I can take full credit for your amazing achievement. My record. Yeah. I, I mean, it wouldn't have happened. Man, uh, <laughs> so even another, like another little story that the day before that Western States, I was, they wanted to do like some type of like science things so where they were taking blood. And so I, um, was giving my blood before the race. And I passed out, I passed out the night before that race, Mm. felt like complete shit the whole night. But then like, I kind of like fell asleep at a decent time and got sleep and it's hard to get sleep sometimes. So Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, like that kind of helped. And there was an earthquake that night. I don't know if you remember that, but there was like a small little earthquake that, Mm. and like, I actually looked it up. We looked up that night and it was, you know, super small, low grade, but it like woke me up. And I think it was pretty 
close to like, I, you know, I'm ready to be up anyway and get, get ready. Mm. But woke me up and I like, I, it's like, I woke up from like now when I practice meditation, when I wake up yeah. and just like, everything is so clear and I just feel so like centered and grounded. That's how I woke up to run Western States. And like, oh wow, dude! Yeah, it was it was incredible. Amazing. And then you went out and shook the earth underneath your feet for oh, yeah. Wow. So anyway, t- tell about the the gel story because this is my absolute yeah. what, favorite. What mile was that? This it was, was like in the ca- the canyons, right? Yeah, going down El Dorado Creek just after Devil's yeah. Thumb. Yeah, right after Devil's Thumbs, and I, that was a low point for me. I was like, I ran out of gels prior to that. I was. I was scared. I was like, man, I'm out of gels. I'm hitting a low patch. I'm with the leaders. I was like with you all. And I'm like, this is cool. This is a fun group. We had like, you know, you Mackie, I don't even remember the whole group, but it was a good group of us and fun. We were talking it up, but I was really in a low moment there. And I remember like nudging you like, dude, you got an extra gel. (laughs) (laughs) And you gave me like a a gel with with caffeine. And I was really nervous. I didn't know if I wanted to take it because it was like caffeine. And the year prior, I was having all these stomach issues and I didn't want to like chance it with that. But like, I held on to it for the longest time. And I think it was just, I'm sorry. I think I took your energy, man. But like, (laughs) like, you gave me that gel. I didn't even eat it. And, and at that, like that moment, I was just like, had it because I was debating if I should have caffeine or not. But like, it, it clicked in my mind. I'm still running with the leaders in a low patch. And then we got down to an aid station. I think I had some raspberries down there, Coke yeah. and Mackie was in the lead getting up to Michigan bluff and F and a, I like, I, I raged up there and didn't look back. <laughs> like, yeah. So I, I've got to provide my side of the story too. Cause it, yeah. it, I mean, this is actually one of my favorite kind of stories to tell from my career. And I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast. And so just kind of to paint the picture, of course, we're halfway through Western States 2012. And that was the year that it was sort of like raining and snowing earlier in the day. The, it, the sun was finally coming out. The weather was starting to improve a little bit and, but it wasn't like crazy crazy hot. So it was a nice, nice conditions in the middle of a really hard race. And we're running in a group of you, me, Dave Mackey, Nick Clark, and Mike Wolf, like all of like my heroes, you know, legends of the game. Right. And Tim Olson, who had been on a tear that, that spring was right behind me as we were going down El Dorado Creek and yeah, bums a gel off me. I hand him, I think it was like a chocolate or a coffee yeah. gel. It was definitely caffeinated because I, re- I remember that because he didn't eat it. And I, and, uh, and of course, going through my mind is like, oh, this guy's screwed, right? He's bumming a gel <laughs> off me halfway through the race. Like, Tim Olson's done, man. Put a, put a fork in him. He's not going to be a factor anymore, you know, like whatever, one down. But yeah, go ahead. Here's a gel for you. <laughs> and I thought for sure, like you were toast. And then, yeah, we get down to the bottom of El Dorado Creek and you just absolutely dropped the shit out of me on the climb up to Michigan Bluff. It ultimately beat me by like an hour and 20 minutes. I was like, this mofo, it's amazing. <laughs> I thought you were done. And then, uh, yeah, you, you went and had the most amazing course record performance and totally kind of shifted people's thinking about the race at the same time. You're the first person to run under 15 hours. You and Ryan Sands, had 
had an amazing race against each other that day. It sort yeah. of launched his career uh, forward as well. He ultimately became a champion, probably much uh, credit due to you and the battle that you guys had that day. It's just an amazing, amazing story. And it's so fun to look back on. And so uh, I forget about that battle a little bit too. That was, that was so gnarly. I, yeah. I thought I was going to die in that part. It was so hot. We were yeah. like hiking up this canyon, like stride for stride. And yeah, it was like looking at each other. I remember we got, I, I've shared this story before, but we got to like cat one of the last Cal streets and like that aid. And I remember we were like eating off the, the, st- the aid station there, like gobbling food up like animals. And then like, we look at each other and just, we were like, it was like two animals looking at each other. It was so beastly. Yeah. It was, it was so awesome. And then like, I took off <laughs> and sorry to say, I did the same thing to him that I did to you, or I just like, I got, I had a feeling that I could go and I just went with it. And mm. it was, it was a special day. I like, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't give a lot of credit to myself. I just like, it was aligned and I was supposed to, to yeah. be doing that and Amazing. I'm super grateful. Yeah. So cool. And uh, you know, it's fun to talk about now because obviously it's a historical moment in our sport, but for people who come in a little bit later, you know, you may not know all the stories from the history, right? And this was like sort of a landmark moment, I think, in the sport and especially for you, obviously, as the champion. But then of course we had this other dynamic and we don't necessarily need to go into all of this, but the next year you came back as the defending champion. And, you know, I think you had a little bit of this chip on your shoulder about like, Oh, he set the course record, but it was like a cooler year. It was faster conditions, which, you know, we don't need to get into, but I don't really agree with that asterisk, but also, (laughs) right. But then you came back and you won again in like the hottest race that we've seen. uh, You know, one of the hotter races that we've seen over the last couple of decades at the race and uh you totally vindicated yourself validated that it wasn't uh, a fluke and you know took a second cougar home for your mantle but anyway (laughs) it's amazing so you know uh, we don't need to spend the entire episode sort of reminiscing old times but i think it's interesting because Mm -hmm. you and i obviously we've both been in the sport for basically the same amount of time we're about the same age too and i think at this point in our careers I feel like we can really help the next generation of athletes who are coming behind us. And you're somebody who's had like the ultimate success in the sport. Obviously you've got two Cougars to show for it among many other things. Uh, And then you've had years where you just couldn't put it together where your body was totally not cooperating. And I'm sure sort of people reach out to you for advice and stuff. And I wonder just kind of like based on your experience and looking back at your career, when younger athletes ask you for advice or is, is there anything that you look back on from your career that you sort of point them to, to help them maybe follow in your footsteps and in their own way? Yeah. um, There's probably, I mean, so much I've learned throughout the years through the the experience of yeah, just kind of going through it all. I didn't have, like, I had some, some good mentors and stuff like that. But I think as we all realize in the sport that you really got to go and figure out what works for you and, you know, good advice that I think I could give is really tapping into yourself and understanding how you work. And for me, the, the mainstay that it's helped me is meditation. And, um, I, I share that a lot. And, 
um, I share it because it like, it changed my life so much. And it really helped me with, with sport, of course, but just my whole life of being a father, husband, you know, entrepreneur working, um, it's, it's really helped me in so many ways. And so that, I mean, that's something I would suggest to anyone, whether it's, you know, just a minute of just checking in with your body, a little body scan of, you know, okay, let me, let me do a couple deep breaths up through the body scanning, you know, kind of visualizing and then going back to the body. And like, that helps me so much of, of understanding what my body is feeling that day before I go into a training session, whether I'm, you know, to set the intention of like, am I going really hard and doing, you know, hard repeats where I'm really training or is this more just, you know, recovery day? Um, and then, and again, with that body scan of checking in with each muscle, um, going to massage school is really helpful for that. As I was, um, transitioning, like as I was becoming an ultra runner, I was going to massage school. So I was like learning all these muscles and like moving them, injuring them. And, and then I would sit in meditation and like feel them like, okay, what can I learn from this? And so, um, it's been one of my, I think my greatest thing that I've learned, um, in life and then helping me with ultra running, um, of just really tuning in with myself. And that helps with, with running and preventing injuries and training, but also helps with, with food of like, you know, just being mindful, bringing that mindfulness practice into everything. So when my nutrition, I try to eat a really balanced, you know, organic, local, um, good, really good whole foods. And that, that changed my life big time. When I went to massage school, started meditating, started working on my diet, I lost like you know, 30 pounds and like, really? and, um, cause I, I went from Wisconsin and being a big beer drinker, lots, beer, lots of yeah. cheese, as much gluten <laughs> as I could fit in my belly. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then going to massage school, like my wife got blood tested and like, we changed our diet up and like, she was allergic to these different things. And I kind of just, I felt like I was allergic to gluten too, but I like changed my diet and that, that helped so much. And and then I think it's just like my love of nature. Like I, I've had a good career and I've had a long career through it. And it's, it's not because I want to win every race. And, um, I've had moments where I've trained so hard and that's helped me win races. And I love doing big training blocks and stuff like that, but I've also overdone it. And I wouldn't say I've overdone it in training. I've overdone it with just life. When I was doing too much training, I was also doing too much media stuff work i had you know, racing kids, too right? ra racing i mean this is yeah. this is something too that i think is while we're sort of on this subject of you know giving knowledge to the next generation via our experience i think this is something that you can speak to really profoundly and powerfully in a way that can really help a lot of other people because you know it's no secret that you kicked the shit out of the sport for a little while and then you <laughs> paid the piper and totally your body was not tolerating what it used to, you know, there, it sort of hit a point where you would achieve these amazing things and your body wouldn't allow you to do the things that allowed you to achieve those amazing things anymore. Is there yeah. a moment that you can sort of point to where you feel like I stepped over the line there and, you know, with some perspective, um, would you have done anything differently? 
Yeah. I, I can't remember which race, it, what year it was, but when I did Lavaredo, I want to say 2015 or something like that. But I had other races like that. But when I was running, running that race, my body was like shutting down and I was having other things like this during training and stuff. But in that race, my body was like shutting down on a super chill flat section. And then I went over, like I had to do this big climb. And in that section, my heart was palpating so fast. And yeah, my body was just like, it was going out of control. And I was, I was a little scared of like, what is going on with my heart right now? And why, and like having cold sweats and, and, and like in night two, I was like having cold sweats. I was just, I was definitely too much cortisol. Like I was yeah. just like, my body was hormonally, I don't think was doing well and was giving me so many signs to stop and yeah. to like, to listen to it. And then I was kind of in a hard place and just didn't for me mentally where I, you know, just won some Western States had all these people inviting me every, every, to every race. Um, this was my, how I was providing for my family was this. So like, you know, the harder I went, it was like, you know, for my family. And like, I got like, when you become a professional athlete, there isn't, I don't, I didn't think I was going to be a professional athlete as long as I am. And I hope to continue with it, but like, it's a small, it can be a short career for a lot of athletes where just a lot of things go down, your body stops on you. And there's, and then all these people around me, Oh, your body's dead. So many people telling me that, you know, you're just done, give up, like, you know, see Jeff Rose, his body quit on him and he just, and he stopped. And like, everyone kept telling me to stop. And my heart said like, no, I like, I don't need to stop doing this, but I do need to really check in with myself. And so I was getting all these like, you know, physical things telling me to slow down. And so that's where I kind of, I, I probably had moments where I didn't want to. And so I tried to push that too much and then ended up in some, some bad races and just not the person I wanted to be. There was definitely yeah. some times where I, I don't think I was the best, um, husband or father, or just, I don't know, this person, I was cr just cranky, um, too so often. And yeah. When, when you sort of come off the two victories like that, and you do start mm. to feel the pressure to keep this going, you know, to live up to this stature of being this heroic <laughs> athlete and you're getting invited to all the races around the world and you start to then have these poor performances add up where you're feeling this, uh, feedback from your body that is clearly telling you to stop, um, or to adjust the way that you're approaching the sport. I mean, what is that? What did that kind of feel like? Was there moments of maybe I should kind of hang up the shoes at this point after a few of these poor races in a row, or after a couple of years of, you know, your body, not really feeling the way that it used to, did you start to lose your love for it at all? Or did it impact the way that you were seeing yourself having been somebody who had been at the top of the mountain? Like, did, did you start to have, uh, any of those sort of feelings of like, well, maybe I'm washed up and I should walk away from this. Yeah. But I think it's, um, d definitely, but I think it's a feeling that comes and go has come and gone a lot of feeling, um, unworthy, mm. of unworthy of, you know, of, of love. Um, and it's, it's an interesting world to be in, in sponsorship of a professional athlete where 
kind of everything in it is conditional. Like they tell you that, you know, like they promise you the world of like, Oh, we're going to stay with you forever. You know, this is going to be a great partnership and we're going to keep doing things. And then you have one bad race and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, we're dropping you and onto the, you know, the next, you know, person. And it, it took me a little while to realize that this is business. And as much as I love the sport and whatnot, it, there's business parts of it. And I had to be not get so um, emotional about, about that and like, and put my worthiness on sponsors or on winning races. And so I had to just like, it was something that I've had to work on a lot in my life, but just um, accepting who I am and loving myself unconditionally. And one that I have struggled and struggled for many years until more recently where I like, I feel like I can look you in the eye and say that I love myself a hundred percent. And I, I love the quirks of who I am. I love, you know, just the, yeah, I love everything about me and I love the, the mistakes I've made and, um, the failures or whatever you want to call these things where you didn't reach your top potential, but I've learned so much from those failures or whatever the times where I like, yeah, when I felt like the most unworthy or felt like, you know, I just wasn't good enough for the sport, wasn't good enough for different friends, my spouse, my kids. That's where I've learned the most really keep coming back to my heart. Why I practice meditation, I come back into that heart space and I radiate love and it has to start with me um, before I can, you know, share that with, with everyone else. And um, that, that's something that I've learned a lot over the last few years about. And um, I think it's helped. It's like sparked my, why I'm so excited for the Pacific Crest Trail. Like, I kind of felt like I was fading out and I don't feel like I'm fading out in any way. I am just becoming more and more my authentic self. And maybe my authentic self isn't winning Western States every year. Maybe it's, you know, going and trying different races. I didn't do. Yeah. Like when I got into ultra running, it, it wasn't just to like win a Cougar or become famous. It was because trail running to me going out in nature is therapy it's like where i go to work <laughs> yeah. on myself and like yeah. beco- become my best self and realize what doesn't serve me and then scratch that and continue to find what does serve me and, beautiful yeah. beautifully said man and yeah. I, I so appreciate you sharing that it actually just to reference my conversation with cat bradley again she said something similar I, I just think it's kind of important to recognize that when we have these moments in our career, we're just like everything clicks. And sometimes it lasts like a year or two years and we feel like we've sort of got everything figured out, but like the nature of life and existence in our careers is that things change. Right. And so for Mm -hmm. you being on the mountaintop and being two-time Western States champion and feeling like you have to live up to this new persona of, of who you are, even though it doesn't necessarily represent, you know, your core essence as you describe it. And then, you know, feeling the emotional stuff that gets tied up with this new identity and these contracts and these opportunities. And then the conflict that arises inside of us when we feel that lack of worthiness as you described. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, 
it's super interesting and I think valuable for, for people to hear you talk about. And, yeah. and so that would be my advice for, for young kids getting into it is that you're amazing. You are worthy. Like you don't have to win Western States to be a, a great runner, like go out and enjoy the trails, like connect with nature and, and, and enjoy this beautiful place and explore new places, explore yourself, be curious and, and see what comes from there. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I got to do a, a video with Billy that called the unknown. And that's like ultra yeah. running for me is like venturing into the unknown because it can be challenging. It can be uncomfortable, but you can grow and learn so much from those opportunities. And I'm super grateful that I'm, I'm privileged enough to, you know, have really good support and to build to go do these crazy adventures mm-hmm. and bring myself to like my core, um, in kind of in safer environments. And, um, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's cool, but like, no, know, know how special you are. Like each, each one of us, like we are supposed to be here and we're like, we're here, we're needed. We're here to help this world in a positive way. And we're going to have low moments and moments where we don't think we are worthy enough or like, we just want to hide because no one w- wants to be our friend. No one like should see this part of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm trying to like, yeah, show all those parts of me because, yeah. um, yeah, I'm I'm a cool dude. So <laughs> yeah, the coolest dude. So <laughs> let's talk about something else that you very openly kind of shared with the community and your fans and um, those of us who who look look up to you and admire you. Obviously, you've mentioned your family a number of times here in this podcast. And for those of us who follow you and know you personally, we know that you're a family man, right? And you've mentioned already that your wife is pregnant right now, expecting, you guys are expecting your third child in August, hopefully shortly after you finish the uh, Pacific Crest Trail. Um, But you guys have been through a couple of really tough things in the last couple of years. You've lost a couple of, um, you've had a couple of, uh, miscarriages and, uh, I know it had a huge emotional impact on you and Krista and your entire family. And I wondered, uh, if you wanted to share anything about that and especially now with, uh, a baby girl coming in just a couple of months, how you as a family dealt with that really traumatic life experience, how you navigated it and uh, maybe some things that you learned as a result. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, for bringing that up. It's um, the last few years have been, been challenging in, in that sense of just of dealing with loss. Um, we've um, over the last few years, we've had two miscarriages and one, a later term miscarriage where we were, over in the Canary Islands and, and, um, and lost the baby there. And my wife had to have like, uh, surgery and, and, uh, it was just very confusing. And then just with the language barrier, we, like when we found out that, you know, the heartbeat wasn't there anymore. And I was aware of, of miscarriage. I didn't realize how, um, yeah, yeah. How normal and yeah. just, it's just part of life, like one in four, pregnancies, um, a miscarriage can happen and where the, the baby's heart beats no more. And, and, um, so many people take that, you know, so many different ways. And for me, uh, personally, 
um, I was really connected to that baby already. I knew it was a, a boy and he was going to join us there. And I was just like, you know, I already bought him some, some Adidas little baby stuff. And I was just oh. like, you know, full in for it. And then I, um, I was over in Hong Kong doing a race there, came back to Grand Canaria and, and, um, yeah, it was just, it was a really hard moment when I saw the heartbeat not going anymore. And then trying like just that, that realization that, that, that baby is not living anymore, like dropped me to my knees. I, I almost passed out and, um, you know, everyone takes them differently, but I, like, I, I really felt like I, I, you know, watched my baby just die right there. Like I just saw a car smack my kid and was just gone. And I was just like, it took my breath away and such a shock and um yeah and it it brought up a lot it brought up a lot of sadness in me and a lot of anger and a lot of emotions that um that I think I've kind of like bottled up over the years and didn't deal with and and so in that moment I was kind of like I I kind of I lost it where I was like really I was not in a good place. Me and my wife were not in a good place. And I was super depressed. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to, to live anymore. And um, yeah, just really mentally in a, a really um, difficult place. And um, if uh, in my past, I um, definitely turned a lot towards um, drugs, alcohol, and just numbing the pain, just, um, you know, um, it was the, the crutch that I used for the longest time. And I, you know, my aim was to really, you know, not be addicted to those things. And I worked really hard to like stop drinking and to, uh, drugs were a really hard problem where I was selling, using a, a ton and, um, and just not using them in a positive way. Um, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I felt like sometimes I was doing a lot of like shrooms during that time. And I feel like an MD DMA and, um, I feel like during that time, they actually helped me to, um, work on stuff inside of me. And now that we can see that there's, um, Oregon, uh, yeah. mushrooms are, are, are <laughs> legal now for work. And I, I think that's amazing. And, um, but I wasn't using them in the right way and I was doing Coke and meth and every drug and I just, and drinking on top of it. And so I was just, I was a mess. And so when we lost our baby, I was like, should I just go back to all the drugs? And like, I, I went and bought like a bottle of alcohol and, um, I was just going to start drowning myself in that. And <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, I was going to go out and like, start looking for, I don't know what I was good. Yeah. I was just, I was in a really bad place. And so I got to this point, like, what am I going to do anymore? And just, you know, just crying, weeping, not sure what to do. And, and I remember dropping to my knees on this, on this mountain, like actually feeling like the earth that kind of like softened for me and dropped mm -hmm. to my knees and just feeling the grace of the universe of like, that this too, like things come up and they can be so, you know, so challenging, really trying in your life, send you on a spiral. Um, but we have choice. We have choice of, you know, what to do when times get hard. And I thought very 
many hours of just drinking and turning to that. And I, I didn't, I put the bottle down and like meditated and, mm-hmm. um, I'm like, no, this is what is going to help. And then from there, um, yeah, I, I, I got help. I, that was something that like, it, it was, mm. it was months later, but I actually went and got therapy for the like first time in my life. And I've, wow. I've been to, I've been to jail. I've, you know, I've been, I had a parole officer for two years, uh, all this probation and stuff. No one, they should have gave me mandatory therapy a long time ago. And I've always trail running and running was my therapy. And it's, it is amazing therapy, but it is also extremely helpful to talk with other people. And so I got to talk, you know, with a therapist here in Boulder, which kind of, um, opened up some things. And then when I went to Costa Rica, I, um, I met a really good community of some friends that I made. I met a therapist there. Um, she therapy that I, that, that we were doing together called, um, compassionate inquiry. Um, Gabor Mate's, uh, uh, teaches it. And I really love his, his, um, philosophy, his teaching. Um, and so I just like, I, I went deep into like all my runs. I was, I was listening to, to Ramdas and just some other just uh, teachings. And is it the, really, the Ramdas uh, Be Here Now podcast? Yeah, Be Here Now. I love that. I love it's like that. one of my favorite podcasts. Yeah, I wanted to highlight yeah. that because um, it's a great podcast. Uh, we'll Roger put it in Marcus. the show notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. That's funny. I listen to that too. Yeah. So I, I, and then the community, I had like this really beautiful community that I was able to, to talk with, to have, to have bros like, yeah. like you that I could, could talk through things. And I think one of the biggest things happening in this world, we, we're seeing so much violence and anger and this toxic max- masculinity going on where we really need like people to just feel their emotions to go in and to be angry, to be sad, to like yeah. to feel it all and not to take it out on everyone, not to, you know, project all your things on other people. And, you know, when you're out in the world and someone cuts you off and like you're dealing with sadness and, and things going on, not projecting the things that are going on with you of, ah, let's blame this person. Let's make that, you know, I'm just a yeah. victim here. And I, I played the victim role for a lot of my life. Uh. And, uh, whereas, you know, like this happened to me and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, you know, why I'm sad, why I get angry. And, and so I think it, what really helped me was community of some, some bros, some guys that like, we talked about our emotions. We, Mm. we opened up our hearts, like opening it up and like being vulnerable with other, other humans and having, um, people that actually can listen. It's hard to find friends that can listen and not just want to get their own, you know, whatever that's going on in their mind out, but like listening Mm -hmm. to you compassionately. And, um, I just, I, I struck gold with hitting some really amazing people and, and then being able to like do some inner work and talk through my emotions and, um, and, and just sit with them and feel them and be compassionate to them. And, and then of course, always coming back, like running is, is beautiful. Yeah, so I get into yeah. nature and get to listen to the sounds of the water and different that. type of therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Another type of therapy, like yeah, yeah for, yeah, get in the forest. It's beautiful. Well, bro, <laughs> I, I want to give you a, a huge hug through the screen right now. It was amazing, beautifully said, and I'm so 
happy and proud of you that you can even share that, you know, I can't imagine the pain that your family went through in those situations. And uh, I'm just grateful that you would speak honestly about it here on the show with me as friends. And I totally agree a hundred percent, you know, it's so important to get that shit out and to talk with people and uh, to not fight the battles on your own. So yeah, thank you. Thank you, bro. That was really, really beautiful. Yeah. So let's talk about the PCT. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing this summer? <laughs> so, oh man, well, I could talk yeah. to you forever about life yeah, stuff man. and I got I got time so yeah, we, we yeah. keep keep chatting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um so, you know, obviously this is going to be a huge thing for you. We talked about it at the beginning of our conversation here. You're going to be heading out on the Pacific Crest Trail 2600 mile adventure this summer, starting on June 1st, uh, current FKT is 52 days, eight hours and 25 minutes held by Belgian Carol Saab, who's an absolute monster, especially in these super long things. I think his effort was 2016 or so. Um, so I, I wanted to just kind of start, uh, our conversation about the PCT, uh, by talking about, you know, obviously you talked about how it came on your radar and uh, sort of what your goals are and stuff. But um, you also mentioned that you did this sort of like dress rehearsal and it makes me curious about just like the overall preparation strategy behind the PCT. And uh, so I want you to talk a little bit about this, the Cocapelli trail dress rehearsal that you guys did, what the strategy was for that dry run and uh, maybe some things that you learned as a result that you hope to apply on the trail itself. Yeah. So like I mentioned before, this is, you know, a tricky one to train for, right? Like, you know, it 50 plus miles a day. Um, I think right now it's like around 53 miles a day would be like the record 54 to, to pass that. And, um, so trying to do that many miles a day is, is, not something I can exactly plan for. I'm not like I have a family too, that I can't just go out and run for 14 hours a day. And, and, um, so, um, I've been doing just kind of normal training like I would for hundred mile race type of thing, except that I was probably doing more hiking, throwing on my pack more using, using my wizard sticks, the hiking poles, you gotta, gotta get really like, I use them all the time. I, you know, my goal out there is to turn into uh, a Jaguar mountain lion. So like I need four, four, four points, I four paws. I need four <laughs> points. Yeah. Of contact out there. So, um, yeah. So like I need to, I love being really in tune with, uh, the poles as well and using those, um, dialing in gear for this is, is huge because I'm going to be starting, you know, in temperatures that could be a hundred plus degrees in the Mojave desert. And then I'm going to get up into the Sierras, um, Forester passes 13 plus thousand feet. So that'll be, I think the high point of the PCT and there could be snow and, um, yeah. And it's like, and, and, and for that, I'm doing this supported. So I'm going to be having crew and, um, you know, people, my family's going to be in the RV kind of traveling, you know, roughly 50 miles kind of to like the end point and my awesome coach, uh, Jason Coop and my father-in-law, Bob, um, are going to be helping like meet me at different places to give me water. And in some places they can, you know, meet me every 10 or 20 or some miles. And then some places like the Sierras, it's going to be, you know, big, uh, like five days, you know, by myself. So 
dialing in all that gear is definitely challenging. I'm, I'm not normally running with a bear canister when I'm doing ultra races. So right. like, yeah, feeling that out. And so then we went, we were trying to kind of look for during the time period, there's so much snow here in mm-hmm. Colorado that we were looking for a trail that not a ton of snow, a little bit flatter than I'm used to. Cause I'm, I'm always doing Start. lots of ver- verts yeah. and yeah, I feel pretty comfortable on the vert, but the Pacific Crest trail, um, I don't Especially think the start. Yeah. You've got the Mojave desert. So that was probably smart to go yeah. out to the Cocopelli, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And so we were, we were doing, you know, I think we started like a 45 mile day and I think I, you know, did close to 50 one day, but it was, you know, between 45 and 50 miles a day we did. And it was kind of, you know, sometimes there was a couple of times where I went 20 plus miles without seeing crew. And, um, but it was kind of just getting that level, like waking up, and for me, my routine in the morning here, I'm, I'm not a morning person. So it's not like I get up and I'm like ready to go run. I like to meditate. I like, I do some Qigong. I am. Yeah. Uh, I like to play with my kids. Like I like having some morning time with them. And so it was kind of just getting on the wake up, you know, go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, get some, get some food and go. And so we were working on this, you know, kind of those transitions, which I think are super beneficial and helpful. Um, cause I think, uh, something that's really valuable for doing this through hiking long distance stuff is time on feet. Like, yes, I can run a 50 mile race in, you know, five hours, some minutes, six yeah. hours, whatever, but I'm not doing that every day in the, um, yeah. this, that, you know, if I could do 50 miles in 12 hours or something like that is, you know, you know, uh. kind of comparable and I'm, not worrying too much about mileage where I'm going to just have time on my feet. I need to spend basically all day up there. So get up before, before sunrise, um, especially in the hot sections. Cause I need to get up earlier to take yeah. advantage of that cooler weather. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, yeah. And just spending a lot of time on my feet it, it is, is the name of the game. And, um, and then control too. Like, and one thing that I'm learning, well, I I've known this, but something I think is valuable um, from this to going longer distance, even doing like a, a stage day race is when I've done hundred mile races and I have a rock in my shoe, I don't care about that rock in my shoe. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. get a blister. I'm going to deal with it. Like I, I know how to handle pain. And so like, you know, there's a blister I'm low on, on food and stuff like that. I kind of ride it out and you know, there's highs and lows on that. You've, I'm sure you've done that a million yeah. times. And yeah. this, I really need to be you know, focused on the little things, yeah. the, the little things. The next time, like when I have something going on that could cause a blister, I need to be really aware of that. And so that was things that was like adjusting my shoe where I normally wouldn't, or, uh-huh. um, doing a change of socks or, um, which my, I have, I, you know, I don't want to jinx them, but my feet do pretty awesome. I don't get a lot of blisters. I, I spend a lot of time. I mean, I've spent the last, my whole career of running, a lot of hours on my feet and they have some pretty good calluses. So they're, you know, they're, they're ready for this, but, um, I need to be really, um, diligent of taking care of the little things when the pack is rubbing weird. And in a race I've had, you know, we've all had those big gashes on our necks here and, and, you know, big blisters and burns on the back. And like, you know, it's things where I can't destroy my body on day one, yeah. I need to like so be aware maintenance. Yeah. That's got to take place to get you to yeah. the damn finish line. One of the T- things totally. I'm curious about is in this, uh, I saw Coop, our, our coach, our mutual coach yeah. last weekend, 
and I think we talked about this a little bit, but we were talking about your effort in general quite a bit. But one of the things that I was curious about is how you approach the fitness level before starting, right? Like it seems to me like it might be a a situation where it's better to go in a little bit less fit so that you you sort of run your way into fitness while you're out there. And so you don't go into it with just this crazy high level of fitness and then end up like totally burned out halfway through. Is that something that you guys considered at all or anything there that you want to expand on? A little, it's been, it's been a little challenging with that of like, um, trying to figure, I mean, I think I've always, this is how my training's kind of worked with, I normally don't take days off, um, running. I, I run pretty much every day if I can, but I have two kids and a wife and, and life like as we all do. And so I just let life, uh, guide my days off. Um, I mean, I will choose it if I'm injured or I just ran a race, like I take days off, but like, there's just certain times where my kids really need me or, or, you know, my wife wants to go do something where I just skip a run for that reason. And so then going into this, it's funny, uh, our coach, uh, Coop has told me to get fat, like to eat, eat more. And, um, it's different, you know, you normally don't get, you know, try to eat a lot more and like junk food before going into a race. I try to eat really clean. I I mean, I, I drop weight before getting into a race just because I'm like tapering and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Here, like my focus has, has not been like, I think I've done plenty of training and then, and he keeps telling me this, that I've been doing training for, for years that, yeah. And I feel like doing, I did almost 250 miles in like five days. I feel like I'm plenty fit. Um, I was doing that in, in good time that, that I'm not worried about my fitness. I'm worry about taking care of my body. So even like these past few weeks I'm running, but maybe an hour, uh, like at two max right now, I, um, would have liked to do a little bit more of like kind of some night stuff or like, Mm. you know, sleeping in my bivy and kind of dialing in that a little bit better. Um, and I still might do, you know, go out for a night and just kind of sleep in my bivy one more time before I, you know, get ready for that to just don't do that. Don't do that, bro. You figure it out when you're out there. I'll I'll figure figure it out. But I like, there's, there's these things that like, I probably going to spend the next two weeks in a, in a comfortable bed before you go out and do this. I want to, I want to be, and that it comes back. I want to be in like, just in a good spot. I think more, more than anything mentally that like, if it, if it comes between running training or meditating, I'm going towards meditating right now because like, physically I'm right where I should be. Um, I, and like you said, like, I feel like, yeah, like right now, I don't think my legs could take 50 miles a day, but I think like I'll start there and like, I will get stronger. I'll probably have like a really hard week where it's like, Oh my God, what am I doing to my body? And I'm hoping my body then can adapt and rise to the challenge. Dude, I think this, this point about, you know, making sure that you're in a good place. I mean, this is something that I harp on, on the podcast all the time. And, uh, sort of something that you referenced earlier with your 2012 Western States, you know, it's those moments where you have your, uh, your family life, your personal life dialed. And when you're feeling good about yourself and have that self-love that you talked about so eloquently earlier that you have the amazing performances. And so when you describe whether, you know, if you have the choice between meditating and run training, that it's important to do that meditation training, uh, in order to have those, uh, breakthrough type performances that I think you're going to want to have over on the PCT. One of the things, I mean, you've sort of mentioned it is, um, 
you know, it's all about time on feet, right? And these are going to be super long days, but it seems to me like the, the core fundamental, I guess, North star, the strategy that like you need to employ is just minimize like the low mileage days, you know, minimize those zero days because the record now seems to be, I mean, it's absolutely insane that you have to run <laughs> 53, 54 miles a day for 50 days in order to get the record. I don't so, think about it too much. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's madness. So it's like, yeah. it's really all about minimizing the low mileage days due to whatever injury, fatigue, whatever, poor nutrition. So I mean, maybe talk a little bit about that part of things. I mean, how do you pace it in such a way where you take the 50 day pace, you know, rather than, um, yeah, get to a point where you do end up having to take a zero day and then having to really try and force yourself to make up for it later on in the effort. Yeah. Um, the, the aim is to not have those zero days and like, there's going to be things that come up and, um, you know, take, like I do in races, take advantage when you're feeling good and, and move the best you possibly can. But, um, I definitely, even when I did the, the week trial and my different training, I just like, I feel like I have this different gauge in me that I'm just really listening it, to my intuition and like what, it tells me of how fast to go of when to eat. And I, like, I feel like I have this guide, like this guidance going on within me. Um, and I, I really kind of just communicate with that, that message that I keep getting that like, okay, this is when this is what I've been doing in my training where I'm just feeling really connected with nature. And that's kind of what I've been doing is that I, I, I sing to nature. I connect with the trees and just kind of, spend time with them. And it seems to kind of take away from the mental energy of trying to figure out time or pace. Like I'm just going out for this awesome adventure and I need to stay, like I need to stay at a good pace, but it's just kind of my enjoyment pace. I don't like walking really slow. I like kind of moving and, um, I'm hoping just to keep moving in whatever fashion. And there's going to be moments where I feel like complete crap and I do need to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and just kind of, um, I think laughing at some of those times of like seeing the big joke of this, like, you know, of it's really easy to take things so seriously and, and get in your mind of like, gosh, if I don't knock off this 50 miles, it's all done. And then you can like keep feeding the story of like, you're not doing good enough. You like playing this catch up and chase all time where I'm hoping to really enjoy this experience and enjoy those low moments because I know from low moments you can rise above them and it can really bring out like some of your best days and your best experiences out there. And, um, so I think I just need to really like when I'm having a low moment that like, that's where I'm going to meditate and like, try to like, not, do the mental game. Like, I mean, the, I could play mental games this whole time of telling all these stories and that's just going to be a waste of energy. So I'd rather use my energy for good things and moving forward. So, yeah. um, yeah, that, that will be kind of the mindset of, of moving day in and day out. And then when I do, yeah, I don't even know what to exactly say. Cause the, yeah, like those low just, days yeah. are going to come where I have to do it. And that's where I need to just keep trusting that like, mm. I can 
can do this and that, um, yeah, yeah. Like that the, the universe has my back and is, is, is pushing, pushing me is, is, is guiding my way. And that, I love like, that. that's, that's what I'm going to lean on. I like, I'm not doing this by myself. I'm not, if, if this works out and I actually do well, it's not all me. Like it, it's the um, universe has your back, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So I listened to your conversation with Buzz Burrell over on the fastest known podcast. And you guys talked a lot about gear. So for people who are Mm -hmm. interested in that stuff, go check out that interview with Buzz. Uh, One thing you guys, I don't think really talked about was the whole sleep thing. This is something that I'm really curious about. Um, You know, and having talked to Corey Waltering after he did the Pinhoti trail, which was like five days again, you know, sort of one tenth the overall time expenditure that, you expect to do out there. I'm wondering what like the strategy is with the whole sleep component. Obviously there's going to be some nights when you spend it out on your own with your bivy. You've got a van where I'm sure you're going to probably sleep occasionally, but in terms of like time, right? If we're doing 50 miles a day, some days will be quicker than others. I mean, is it a situation where you want to be getting eight hours of sleep sometimes, or is it just always get up before dawn, keep going until after dinner time, crash, do it over again, you know, for whatever it is, six, seven weeks. (laughs) Yeah. So, so like I have all these plans in my mind and like on paper and stuff like that. And I really want to keep coming back to like how I'm feeling in the moment. Cause I feel like some like, of course, yes, the plan is going to be as much time on feet. So I do need to get up and I don't think there's going to be a lot of eight hour night sleeps and I love eight hours of sleep. And I think it's going to be this, you know, this balancing of, of pushing myself, but then being able to recover, like, right. Recovery is what I, my body needs to recover to be able to do 50 miles a day. And it's going to be slowly breaking down. So I'm hoping to be eating really good food. That's helping me like getting good nutrients to my body. And then, um, some days not sleeping as much. There's going to be like, especially in the Sierras, like I I'll be probably, I'll be woken up by a cold, cold night. Like I, um, I am going minimal. I'm going to have like, you know, that section I'll have, um, a little bivy, a little sleeping bag. And, um, I chopped up like a little thermo rest, like mat, like, you know, to my body. So I can, yeah. I can have those moments, but then I think there'll be times where like, let's say I get through the Sierras and it went hopefully strong, but like it, it broke me down a little bit. I might come out of that and like want an eight day, eight hour night of sleep. And so I think there'll be moments where I take an eight hour night of sleep or like really focus on recovery a little bit more. And some moments where I'm focusing on trying to push an extra hour of time on my feet or getting up a little bit earlier. And I think that's just going to fluctuate where I think like, I'll probably have a week of like sleep deprivation and hopefully my team or I can realize that like it's detrimental and like to the project and like one extra hour of sleep might change my whole outlook. And I've seen that time and time again with ultra running with, um, multi-day things, where, I mean, people take a five minute nap, a 15 minute minute nap, and it changes their whole perspective. Yep. And that's, I think the name of this game is perspective changing and seeing it from different angles and not always being in my, my world is going to be, I think, hopefully grounded, but like can get a little messy at times where my head is spinning with things. I'm hurting a lot. Let's say my back goes out and you know, I, it's just a really hard few days. And I don't know if I'm going to like 
you know, if I can carry all the weights of this project of, of just of it, all that, like I'll have those low moments and that's where I have an incredible team to hopefully lift up my spirits and, uh, where I take a moment to maybe sleep a little bit more, getting some better food. Um, and for me taking some time in nature of like pausing and not thinking about the PCT and just thinking about like that, that bird is pretty awesome right now. Dude, you, and, should, like, you should take a book. You should take a book with you like 2012 Western States and occasionally. Most definitely. Herman, Herman, has, Herman has to be with me for sure. Siddhartha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That was the book uh, then. And um, I'll probably, I'll have it. I'll definitely have a few books like that. Was that, like, was just, that the book? Siddhartha was the book. That, wow. Was that book. makes the yeah. story even better. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I almost said it during it, but it, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it, from so, that day on, I, I read, I read that book before every hundred mile race I ever ran from, from that, but I, I love that book. It's amazing. A, yeah, it's a good one. And yeah. So good. So, um, how can people follow it? I mean, I don't know if you're going to have like a spot tracker that people can sort of monitor the whole time. If that's something that you're going to keep under wraps a little bit more, if people are going to be updating on your social, but certainly I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to want to keep tabs on you over those 50 plus days out on the trail. Is there any way that people can check in? Yeah, I, I will have an, an inreach, uh, with, um, you know, like a little tracker to, mm-hmm. to follow me along. Um, uh, Adidas is, is, uh, like they're stoked about this. So they're, um, I think we're going to have like something on outside magazine or, or, or some outside of online, um, that they'll have like a tracker, uh, of me. Sweet. And so I'll have that Adidas will have it, um, at least an Adidas Terex, um, on their Instagram, my Instagram, my family's going to help me a little bit with posting things. I do my own social media. So it's like, um, I'm probably not going to have a lot of time to be, um, throwing yeah. up regular videos on there, but look, Tristan, tr- you know, yeah. hand it off to Tristan. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Tristan's <laughs> taking over. So we'll, we'll update on mine, but like Adidas Terex will, will be updating and on their website. And then I believe they're going to have it on outside. I'm going to have, you know, I'll be updating, uh, via Strava and my tracker. So I'm hoping to record as much as I possibly can. Amazing. Um, yeah. And, and put it out there. Um, you know, it's definitely, we're in a little bit different age right now where, you know, like I would have loved everyone to come out there and, you know, run with me and get totally, you know, force yeah. gump style where I get the, you know, everyone behind me running with COVID we're, we're definitely our, our team is more of a little bubble and yeah. we're trying to be really mindful of, you know, the current situation and, um, and all the communities that we go through other trail hikers just being, we want this to be a really positive thing for, mm-hmm. Adidas myself for the environment, um, for this, this world. Um, yeah, I want it to be positive thing. It's just like, even all the gear that I'm wearing, um, we're working with parlay, which is a company which, uh, uh, turns, um, um, ocean ocean plastic plastic. waste into all the clothing that I'll be wearing. My shoes, all my running gear is all going to be made with parlay, um, recycled ocean plastic with Adidas. And we're going to be doing a, um, starting off here really soon run for the oceans where, uh, anyone that wants to join can download the Runtastic app, um, do miles for the ocean. And then Adidas will match that to, um, be helping, um, helping this, this plastic situation that we're all dealing with, whether, you know, whether you live by the ocean where yes, there's lots of plastic in the ocean, but there is, there's plastic particles in our air, in the mountains, in everywhere. And, um, and I feel like that's just a really 
big issue right now, um, the environment as a whole, but like uh, plastic waste and just uh, the the consumption of, yeah. of overconsumption of things. And so we're hoping to bring awareness to that and, uh, you know, um, show what you can do if you are innovative and um, can take a problem and turn it into a solution. And um, so I'm stoked to be working with Adidas and Parlay on that and promoting promoting them and just the yeah taking care of of the oceans and our environment and and that's just something for me being um known maybe as a a mindful athlete like i just bring mindfulness into every yeah every corner of my life that like whether whether i'm voting in in politics or going to the grocery store and buying food or um yeah having a sponsor having a sponsorship with a company i Mm. want it to be a company that like aligns with my values and that aligns with um, the earth because that's um, that is what I care uh, most about. And yeah, I want this to be positive. Um, Great, for all. man. Beautifully yeah. said again. Well, I'm hoping that I can penetrate your COVID bubble uh, during your during your experience out <laughs> on the trail. Uh, Harmony and I just booked a, a rental in Manus. Yes so that I can do my pre hard rock training camp. So uh, we, we did the math and we think you'll be coming through after about three weeks, I think out on the trail. So I would love to be able to join you for a day or two. If, uh, if you need the, the company. Through the uh, I would love to see you out there. Yeah. You're more than invited. I like, let's bring us back to like, um, we've been teammates for a very yes. long time. And even though like we're not on the same team right now, you are always my teammate, man. Like I, I cheer for you no matter any race you're doing. Like I'm, I'm gunning for you. I appreciate you in our community. I love um, what you're doing with pillars yeah. and um, with the podcast, but also with like, just, you know, showing people, you know, proper techniques of, of, of doing, of taking care of the body, whether it's physical yeah. or mental. And yeah. so keep, keep doing what you're doing. And um, yeah, thanks for being such an awesome teammate for yeah. forever. And uh, yeah, it's um, looking forward to, to seeing you out there and um, hopefully yeah. I can, I'll you give can, you a gel. You can bomb a gel. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm going to give you a gel so you can go take on hard rock, man. Yes. I'd love for you to crush hard rock. So um, yeah. And all the best to you, man, this year. Yeah. And, well, well, big yeah. hugs, bro. Yeah. It's been great to reconnect and there's a lot more stuff I'd love to chat with you about. So we should do more of the reminiscing stuff. Um, uh, maybe, maybe we'll record one while we're out on the, on the JMT section outside, uh, Mammoth Lakes and, uh, Sounds awesome. share, share more of the stories from the olden days. But for now, buddy, big hug, big love to you and the fam. I hope everything goes super smoothly, sleep in your bed for the next two weeks and, uh, go get them out there on the PCT. <laughs> right on, man. Thank you. What a guy. What a guy, right? I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. If you did, go hit up Tim and let him know. I'm sure he would appreciate some good luck, a digital pat on the back as he embarks on this amazing adventure. You can find him on Instagram. If you don't already follow him, there is a link in the show notes so that you can do so. I would highly recommend it. 
And I also linked to the Ram Das podcast that we referenced in our discussion. And I linked to the interview that Tim did with the other legend from Boulder, Mr. Buzz Burrell over on the Fastest Known Time podcast, where you guys can learn even more about his upcoming FKT project. I'll definitely be following uh, following along starting June 1st, and I'll make sure to share out links. Uh, so if you guys follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I'll make sure to do that and uh, hopefully put that on your radar too. And we can all sit around our computers and on our smartphones for 50 plus days and cheer Tim on from afar. And hopefully I will get to spend a day or two with him as he passes through the Sierras this summer. I can't wait. As always, if you enjoy the show, we would love it if you would download and subscribe to our app. But if that is too much to ask, I really hope you would at least go give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a second. And or you could share it with your friends and followers on social media. Those things really do help and I would super appreciate it. That's it for now. Thank you guys so much for being here and for listening to the end. I love you all so dearly. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.